to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement, private security, and personal protection. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is episode five of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Today we are going to be speaking with Chad Emmons and John DeJohn Tommaso of Thin Blue Online. They have an innovative online training software to help keep your people top-notch in their verbal communication and de-escalation skills. Now, the intention here isn't to replace in-person training. In-person training is always preferred and should be expected. However, we tend to have this idea that we can just send our staff to a one-week training or a three-day training and that they're going to come out of that as verbal ninjas ready to just samurai their way through a situation positively. The reality is, just like any skill, verbal communication and de-escalation skills have to be trained over and over and over again in order to create that quote-unquote muscle memory. So what Chad and John have created is this platform that you can provide all of your staff with that they can log in and do quick little 10, 15 minute training sessions periodically throughout their shift, their day, their week, whatever, month to month basis, you get to set that. However, the training is just intended to keep that skill at the top of their mind and keep that skill sharp. Chad and John have a really interesting dynamic uh, between the two of them. Chad being the former law enforcement officer himself and John uh, having the computer engineering background. And so they came together to help build and grow this platform for you to bring to your agency. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my interview with Chad Emmons and John DeJohn Tommaso from Thin Blue Online. All right, well, Chad and John, welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk with you guys today. Um, I think what you guys are up to is pretty cool. Really talking about verbal de-escalation and communication skills. Unfortunately, that's a very imperative skill in law enforcement, and not everybody has it. So it's not one of those things that comes naturally to everybody. Some people it does. And then there's those of us that need a little bit of work at it. And uh, I'm interested to, to hear from you guys what exactly you are doing to help law enforcement agencies train their staff to gain better verbal de-escalation and communication skills. So maybe if you guys want to start off and kind of give me a, a broad overview of what it is that you guys are offering and, and how you are solving this problem. Okay, sure. So the... A uh, classic thing about law enforcement is they engage with the public in a variety of circumstances, everything from witnesses to victims to suspects, and uh, virtually all of those interactions, there's some level of communication that has to be done. 
and uh, the right type of communication can really make a difference in how that transaction goes. If you can uh, connect and listen to somebody and uh, have a, a good exchange, then a lot of times you can convince uh, those people to open up and, and you can come to a consensus and resolve things peacefully. And then, of course, that's always a good solution uh, for that. And uh, even not only uh, the issues of uh, confronting a, a suspect or a crime, but gaining cooperation from a witness or doing something like a, a death notification, these things are all very difficult to do. And typically, uh, while police train and practice on a whole variety of skills, they really don't practice communication on a regular basis. So that's what our system is all about, is we provide a training platform so officers can practice their communication skills for all these different types of encounters. And, and I would say too, Adam, coming from a uh, prior law enforcement background, you know, we're, we're giving uh, officers another tool for the tool belt. You know, we're, we're trying to uh, give them some additional skills where they can, uh, they can practice uh, communicating. And like John mentioned, for example, doing a death notification. I can tell you that I never practiced doing a death notification back when I was in law enforcement. It was just something that I had to do. But we are all about practice. And we've seen this uh, and it's been uh, field proven. So we're really excited about what we have to offer. Yeah, it's that uh, tool belt metaphor is one that gets used a lot in, in our industry for sure. And I think that truthfully, verbal communication and de-escalation skills really need to be the primary tool in our tool belt. And we focus so much on providing our staff with so many other tools, both metaphorically and actual tools for their tool belt. But very rarely do we put such emphasis on and focus on actual verbal communication and de-escalation. Why is that, you think? Well, I think, you know, when it comes to the high-intensity stuff, the weapon stuff, those are extremely serious encounters, right? If you, an officer has to draw his sidearm and, and potentially discharge it, uh, he's got to be very proficient in its use. He's got to be able to be accurate. Um, he's got to make sure the rounds go where he wants them to go and they don't go other places. The last thing you want to do is hit innocent bystanders and so on. So that's, we'll call it high intensity or high impact consequences. Um, the thing, though, is that uh, for a lot of cops, they'll go their entire career and, and never fire their gun. They just never did it, right? And they, even, even the amount of time that they draw it is relatively limited. And so other cops will, will you know, fire at, at people from time to time, but it's extremely rare, maybe a couple of times a year, maybe less. And like I said, maybe not at all. But communication, man, from, from the time uh, the cop begins his shift to the time that uh, he he's checks out, he, yeah, he's communicating all the time every day. So while it might not be high intensity, it's certainly extremely high frequency and uh, the training has uh, traditionally neglected that, you know, uh, if the, there's a limited training budget, they say, hey, we, we got to concentrate our training on this high impact stuff. And uh, they, they neglect the high frequency stuff. And that's where we're trying to, to fill the gap there. And, and Adam, I'd like to point out to you that we believe that it is very important to have that high intensity training. As, as we talk about all the tools that, uh, you know, on the tool belt and, and that the officers need, 
that is something that they definitely need and they need to be training with shoot and don't shoot scenarios. However, we're offering, we're offering another tool, uh, as I mentioned to add to the tool belt and, uh, a really great case study out of California. I just want to point out real quick. Um, and this, this really paints a great picture of what thin blue online is all about. Some, some young rookie officers, uh, they got their first call to a, uh, a subject that had some mental health issues with a knife and he was in his car threatening to uh, commit suicide. And these young rookie officers showed up on the scene and the sergeant showed up a short time later and the sergeant was going to just take over. He had all the experience and uh, he was just going to take over the scene and, and make sure everything went well. However, when he showed up, he saw these rookie officers just doing a great job in talking with this guy and, uh, and de-escalating uh, the situation. So he kind of he just let them do their thing and kind of took a step back and uh, they were able to de-escalate it and get the guy to calm down, get the guy in handcuffs and, uh, you know, get the get the knife and get him to the hospital. And the sergeant was like, hey, man, this this is really good, guys. Like you, you guys did a great job today. And they said, well, sir, we've been practicing. And just a few days prior to this, we went through one of the Thin Blue Online modules and we've been practicing how to deal with someone with mental health issues and practicing what we were going to say, you know, how we were going to communicate. And so that's really what we're all about. You know, that could have gone a totally different way. Yeah. But they used, they used the tools, you know, that we were providing. But then, like I said earlier, you know, we know that that could turn into a deadly force situation uh, extremely quickly and they need the other tools along with that, because if it were to turn, you know, for the worse, that's where the other things, you know, come into play. But again, we're just trying to to offer something that's never been offered before in regards to just uh, a real quick way, not not really quick way, but a way that the men and women in law enforcement can practice, you know, 24-7. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I mean, case studies are always awesome to hear. I mean, there's so many examples out there, how verbal de-escalation and, and just just basic communication skills can deflate a situation and, and bring it to a positive conclusion. And, you know, it really doesn't matter whether we're talking rural law enforcement or, you know, inner city law enforcement. It's such a universally necessary and applied skill. And I mean, heck, we, even in a jail environment, you know, I told you guys a little bit, we were talking before the show, uh, I spent the bulk of my career in rural law enforcement where you really had to have verbal de-escalation skills in order to bring things to a positive conclusion because I didn't have backup that was immediately uh, around the corner, only a couple minutes away. And I always kind of had this position or opinion, and obviously this is not, it's not universally applied, but in most cases, I always felt like law enforcement officers who spent time working in a jail environment were often the best on patrol because when you're working in a jail environment, you know, you're in a housing unit with 50, 100 offenders, you learn verbal de-escalation skills pretty quick. And those skills are just so imperative. And Adam, I would, I would totally agree with you. And uh, it, it's interesting that you say that because I started my career off in corrections. Uh, I worked with a, a sheriff's office up in Metro Detroit. So that's where I started my career. And as you know, working in corrections, the only thing that I had on my belt was handcuffs and a radio. Yeah. And I did work in, in pods of you know, 94 inmates, and, and I was also a uh, supervisor in corrections. And a lot of times, you know, it's just 
treating people the way that you would want to be treated, right? And, and just building upon that. I mean, I remember working as a supervisor and I had a deputy working a, uh, a pod. And again, it was 94 inmates. And I saw this young deputy just screaming at these guys. And, you know, I, I pointed out to him, like, listen, man, you know, there, there's 94 of them, you know, and there's one of you. There's a way to communicate. And uh, we had a, a great talk and, you know, he learned from that situation and things got a lot better. And I think we, uh, well, we all know that in law enforcement, we tend to be type A personalities. And absolutely. As type A personalities, when we're presented with a task, we're, our goal is to get that task completed and get it completed as quickly as we can. And, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, just daily routine type tasks in a, a housing unit, like we were just talking about, or handling your calls for service out on patrol. You know, we want to get there, get the job done and move on to the next thing. And often I think we, we easily overlook that the reason why people are behaving the way that they are is because there's an underlying issue that for whatever reason they feel like isn't being heard. And if we can do no more than just hear what that is, that will often deflate the situation. And that's, that's a big thing for us. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's actually hearing, not just listening, right? You've, you've got to hear what their message is. And, and when you, you have to communicate with them, you, you can't just speak. So you have to use language that's going to reach them and you have to let their language reach you. You know, there, there are some common things in, in every encounter, you know, probably uh, the vast majority of times, neither person wants to get hurt. They're both just trying to get the most out of the situation to, to their own advantage wherever they can. But there's a, there's a consensus, you know, neither one wants this thing to go, to go sideways usually. Um, so it, it's a matter you can start from that and build on it. And, and if you listen to what they have to say and, uh, you know, one, one of the classic things is there's a traffic stop. If, if, uh, the, the motorist starts arguing with the cop on the side of the road, you know, we train the cops to say, you know, I understand exactly what you're saying. You've got a point, but, uh, that's not up to me. That's what the court system is for, you know, make, make your case to the judge and, and, and we'll see how it goes. And that can be okay. So somebody's going to listen to me. I get to tell my side. I, I, I'm not necessarily stuck with this. It allows you to move on, right? You resolve it and, and here we go. And, uh, sir, have a good day and drive safe and, and you move on. Yeah. So it's just little things like that where if, if the guy starts, a motorist starts yelling at the cop, you know, the cop has to learn, hey, it's not my job to, to argue my point. It's not my job to confront the guy, certainly not to yell back. That, that's, that has a, all the potential to go bad. So, sir, I absolutely understand. You know, I'd probably feel the same way if I was driving, uh, but that's what the courts are for. They, they settle things like this all the time. So I look forward to seeing you there. Just be nice. So what do you see are the most common reasons why this sort of training, which we've obviously established here so far in our conversation, is so critical? Why does it get overlooked or I mean, maybe not even overlooked, but why does it not get the priority that it really deserves? I think one, one of the, the key things is maybe it's not sexy, right? Um, when, when you sure. watch cop, cop shows on TV, it's all drama. It's all action. And, and if you go to... Uh, a cop and say, what would you rather do? Uh, take a high speed driving course and learn to whip that uh, cruiser around between all the cones or go down to the range and have all kinds of pop-up targets and, and uh, really perfect your marksmanship or 
do you want to learn how to sit down and talk to a person with Alzheimer's that's very confused and is uh, afraid of the people in their house when it's probably not even their house that the people are in, right? So if, if you give them a choice, uh, how many are going to choose the third point? But in reality, that that's something that they're more likely to encounter in the next few days than having pop-up targets or having to do a high-speed pursuit. They're going to have to talk to somebody that's confused, and, and they're going to have to know how to deal with that. It's all about preparation, right? You don't want to have to figure out how to fire your gun uh, for the first time when, when you encounter a situation where you have to fire a gun. Well, you don't want to have to talk to people and figure out how to do it the first time when you have to talk to people. It, it's all about preparation and, and being prepared for all these different types of encounters and then when you've got your mind trained to do this, then it, it really frees you up to pay attention to everything else and look for the subtle cues and pay attention to what's going on around you and look for opportunities, to, uh, how to seek resolutions to problems. And Adam, I would say, too, that I think a lot of times it comes down to funding, right? Because, you know, departments Absolutely. only have so many resources when it comes to that and, and they have to, you know, allocate what type of uh training that they're going to have and what is most important to them. And I think that if we look back, I, I worked in law enforcement for a number of years and I was a SWAT operator, detective. And as a SWAT operator, you know, we would train and train and train. And it was always, you know, mostly, you know, obviously shoot, don't shoot scenarios and that type of thing. But it was very, very important training. And it, it went right along with what our job was, right? When we when we hit a door, you know, we needed to know exactly, you know, what we needed to do and how we were going to proceed. But it's the same thing like with a street cop, right? You know, and uh, John pointed out a great point that these situations that the, the deadly force or it's very rare that we encounter those situations out on the street. And, you know, a lot of officers go their whole career, you know, with ever firing their weapon. But for the past probably 15, 20 years, that has always been the emphasis on training is the what if this were to occur, we have to train, we got to make sure that you're ready. And what I mentioned earlier is that to the fact that, yes, we have to have that training and we have to have a lot of that training to make sure that, that officers are safe if they encounter that situation. However, it's just such a small percentage that Let's start to look at some of the other skills that officers have to have when they're out in the field. Let's start practicing communication skills. Let's start practicing de-escalation. It's think about the time when you were out in the street, Adam, and you said that you used to work in the, you know, the rural area and it was just you. You know, you didn't have backup for miles and miles, right? Yeah. And so you gotta build on those skills. And it's like, you know, I've heard John mentioning uh we we've talked about hitting a curveball. You know, it's like, well, how do you hit a curveball? You know, you may not hit it the first time. It takes, it takes maybe practice. thousands and thousands of swings. And that's what, with what we offer, you can go through a module and, you know, work through a mental, you know, health scenario. Uh, we're, we're dealing with some of the mental health issues and you can practice a hundred times, you know, as many times as you want. And so, again, that, that's what we're all about. Yeah. Another thing, when you think about the training is so you have a cop he's in a situation it's very tense and so his brain auto automatically goes to well what what have i been trained to do what have i been trained to do he's going to revert back to that training well if his training is well i was taught how to use my gun i was taught how to use my, my taser i was taught how to use my baton i was taught how to grapple with the guy and drop him and put him in cuffs okay 
Is that all that you've been trained on? Because that's what he's been trained on. That's his options. You've got to have right up there along with all of those. I was trained how to talk to the guy. And so that's where you want the officer to go. All right, let me try talking to him. Let's see, let's see if that can work. Let's see if things can calm down and, and, and we can get things resolved. So if, if you want officers to revert to their training, but that training picture has to be complete. If, uh, if it's only training for high tension encounters, then that will inevitably lead to a high tension encounter because that's all that the cop has been trained to manage. So you need to train them to manage the low tension encounters or how to take something and lower it and get it to calm down, to connect and communicate. That's got to be part of the training because when the cop reverts back to their training, that's what you want them to revert back to. And Adam, the other thing too is, you know, every department has policies and procedures on the use of force continuum, right? And so really that's all we're saying is like, let's make this a part of the use of force continuum, right? Like let's get it in there. Let's get the communication skills, the de-escalation skills in there. And then if, if that doesn't work, then you move on to the next, right? If that means that you rely on your taser, your pepper spray, that's what yeah. that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think I think inwardly every law enforcement leader in this country recognizes the need for that, recognizes its importance. I mean, I may be biased here, but I think in our country we have amazing, brilliant leaders in our law enforcement. And and law enforcement law enforcement line level, uh, brilliant, amazing people. I mean, we're talking everyday heroes, you know, so I think, I think everybody knows that there's a need for this. It's just, we somehow get mixed up in the execution of prioritizing it. And I can tell you that for, as having been a, a law enforcement administrator myself and what I've seen in that position, not only within my own agency, but with other agencies uh, that I was close with, I think part of what happens is there's this misconception that in order to train these skills, you have to dedicate your staff to a week-long training and it's expensive and it's time-consuming. CIT tends to be one of the default methods of training these types of skills. And I'm not knocking CIT by any means here. I, I think CIT is a phenomenal program. I went through it myself and it was a game changer for me when I went through it. But CIT is expensive. I mean, you're paying to bring in professional actors and you have to make sure that you have the appropriate facilities and space in order to conduct that training. And again, like I said, you're pulling your staff off, off of their duties for an entire week in order to go through that training. And so I think we've gotten lost in the mindset that that's the only option and that that option is expensive and time consuming. And so therefore, when you look at the the dollars that you have in your agency to, to spend on training, whether that's budgeted funds or funds through your, you know, your state's post or other grant funds that you may have, we tend to prioritize those in other ways in, in places that we know we're going to get engagement. Because again, like John said, it's not sexy. And so it's sort of the perfect storm of things there that happen that allow these sort of skills and the training related to them to be kind of I don't want to say deprioritize because again, I think everybody recognizes the need for it. It's just the execution isn't necessarily always there in making it a priority. And Adam, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know John can touch on the technology part of this, but I would just say that uh, we are a hundred percent behind our law enforcement officers and, and they are the heroes out there and the administrators as well. And we wanted to have something that was affordable 
and that was uh, easy to use for the officers. And it's, uh, it's, it's awesome that, you know, you can utilize our training on a tablet, on a computer. You know, we're not a uh, virtual reality where you have to have a big headset on. You know, you don't have to have a big giant movie screen to train in front of. You know, you don't have to have actors because we, we utilize avatars and technology. And I think John can, can touch on the technology. But that's, that's uh, why we're so excited about this is I think that it, it's something that is extremely affordable and, and easy to use. Yeah, let, let's go there, John. On the technology side, you know, the world is changing because of technology. If you think about things like publishing a book, and you, you got the printing and the binding and the distribution and the shipping and the warehousing and all that, um, it's, it's a pretty expensive proposition. It has been historically um, with the information revolution. Now you can post something online. It doesn't cost you anything. People can access it for a nominal fee. And uh, because you don't have to go through all the overhead of creating a book. Well, the same thing goes for training. What the virtual world does is it means that once you create one example, it can be replicated as many times as you need. So in your model where you've got the CIT training and it's actors and people coming in, it's a big production. And if you're going to do it for a thousand departments, you got to do that production a thousand times and, and you got to pay all those people a thousand times to do that where we're at is uh, when we have a module that we want to teach, first of all, they're very short. They only take a few minutes to do, so you can squeeze them in. If you've got a little bit of idle time, it's not like you're taking a cop off the street for a week to go to training. They, they can do it 10 minutes a day, half an hour a day. They can do it on break. They can do it when they're sitting in their squad car, you know, just waiting for something to happen. They can be training instead of just sitting there and watching the world go by. So the advantage of technology is when we bring everything together, we bring in the experts, we come up with the scenarios, we've uh, got the, uh, the cast, which are synthetic, photorealistic people acting it. Uh, we produce it once, not a thousand times, but we can distribute it to a thousand different agencies and the, the net cost would only be one one thousandth of that production, not the full cost of replicating that production every time. And, and that's the advantage of technology. So you, you, you take the content production and what we like to say in the software industry, you know, write once, sell many. Um, once you write it once, you can make 10 copies or a thousand copies or a million copies. It doesn't matter. It's all the same because it, because it's all digital. And then by making it available on devices over the internet, again, your average uh, uh, tablet, PC, mobile phone, they can all access the content and bring it up. So there's no excess equipment. It's, it's really an affordable solution. So we realize that budgets are tight in law enforcement. So one of the things that was one of our uh, driving factors as we came forward with this product is let's come up with a technology that's going to be affordable for these departments. And you think about the calls nowadays, we're, you know, we're slashing police budgets and defunding police and all that sort of stuff because they say that the police use too much force. I mean, it, it's like, guys, you know, if, if you want the police to use less force, train them to use less force, right? Don't take their budgets away and use their budgets appropriately. Get the training to cover those situations. If, if anything, spend more so you can provide adequate training and adequate officers so they can take the time to work with people and communicate and resolve situations as opposed to, hey, I got to wrap this up as quick as possible because I got three more calls stacked up that I got to get to. The, the more you cut the funding, the worse the policing is going to be. And, and I don't think people realize that. Yeah. 
I think that's awesome that you guys are providing this as an affordable solution. I mean, in at least in our state, in Colorado, where where I was an agency administrator, this is the type of thing that that I know our state post grant funds would absolutely pay for. And so it seems like it it would it would be a no brainer to me to to do this sort of thing. And now I want to clarify something here real quick, just before I start getting any hate mail from CIT folks, um, <laughs> because <laughs> I am not advocating here and saying that that this that this is necessarily a replacement for CIT or you know that uh, CIT is bad or anything like that. But the way that I see most law enforcement agencies employing CIT training is creating almost a group of select CIT trained individuals and having you know a, a set number of CIT trained individuals on each shift almost as kind of a specialty. I mean I know there are some agencies out there that are training all of their staff in CIT, but that is usually smaller to medium-sized agencies that that have less staff to train. Um, and what I'm seeing this as being, again, it's not a replacement for CIT. I mean, I think you can still employ CIT in that way where it's more of a specialized um, skill set for set individuals. But what you guys are offering is really something that can be offered to every single person within the agency. And I'm thinking not even not even just line staff, but how about the the people working in in the office in the precinct that are working at the front window that are dealing with people that are coming in that are irate and upset? I mean, really, this is an affordable solution that can be offered to anybody and everybody within your agency. And Adam, when you talk about CIT and you're talking about crisis intervention, right? Crisis intervention training. What we offer is when we have scenarios like we talked about earlier on uh, giving a death notification, right? I mean, that doesn't yeah. fall within CIT. I mean, that's just something that, you know, I know that for me personally, I never practiced doing a death notification. I just had to go out and do it. And I, I learned out on the street. And so that's just another uh, aspect of uh, what we can offer. Yeah, that's an important distinction. Yeah. We're, we're not saying that we are a replacement for other training. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying, hey, stop uh, practicing on the range with, with your firearms. Uh, absolutely not right. That's all important stuff. What we're trying to do is say, but you're missing something, right? Let's 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 allow the police to have all the skills that they need to do their job effectively. Let them train on that, and uh, it's a better way to serve the community. You know, there's there's a, a an old phrase that says, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? And so, okay, um, I, I don't think you want uh, police to live by that. You think them. You want them to have everything from, you know, a polishing wheel to a hammer. And, and maybe this needs a little delicate treatment and a polishing wheel. And uh, yeah. so let, let's give them the wide range of everything that they need to be able to do their jobs and serve their communities properly, safely, effectively in, in an environment of trust. Um, that's, uh, that, that's something that every police department can use. And you know what? I think that's something that every police department would like to have. These aren't bad guys. They they want to do the best job they possibly can, often in uh, very trying times and, and very trying circumstances. So let's support these guys and give them what they need to, to provide the type of service that their communities want and that, that they want to provide. Hey, just me here cutting in for a quick break. 
Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If not, you need to. I'm going to be dropping some more episodes here over the coming weeks, and I don't want you to miss a single one. I've got some awesome guests lined up that I'm sure you're going to want to hear from. So please go to wherever it is that you prefer to listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. Right now, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castro, iHeartRadio, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Podchaser, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Amazon. Now, if there's a place that you prefer to listen to podcasts that wasn't on that list, would you please email me at adam at psi.chat and let me know what that is. I'd be happy to submit the show to that directory. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the show. Yeah, I'm really glad that you made that comment about improving on the way that we serve our community. As far as I'm concerned, as a former administrator myself, when you know I consider this type of training, I'm thinking of it as it's, it's not just about how my staff communicate on a call necessarily with an irate individual or trying to de-escalate a situation, but it's about how they communicate with everybody all the time in all situations, because I want my agency to have a positive reputation. I want people to say in the community, hey, I met one of your deputies or one of your officers the other day, and they were really respectful, and and I just enjoyed talking to them. And I want my community to look at us in a positive light at all times, You know, almost making those deposits, if you will, into the savings account so that when I have to cash them out, when there is a volatile situation, there's, there's enough equity there for me to take from. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. If, if you get pulled over and, and get a traffic ticket, I don't think anybody is going to go, I got a traffic ticket. That really pissed me off. But, yeah, the cop was nice, so that makes it all okay. Um, <laughs> you don't think that way. They're, they're still going to be angry about the traffic ticket. But what you don't want is, I got a traffic ticket, and the cop was an absolute jerk. That just yeah. infuriates you beyond the point. You know, if the cop is decent and hey, you know that that that's the way that it goes, and has a communication and a banter, and yeah, just yeah, it's a school zone. You know, school starting next week. We're trying to crack down a little bit on the people who are coming through a little bit fast because hey, we want to protect the kids. You know, and and how how can you resent the guy for that? You know, maybe you're upset you got to pay the ticket, but yeah, you know, doggone it, the guy's right, and and th- yeah. that's all. Just keeping it human, keeping it real, explaining why you're doing things, and. You know, I didn't just pick on you because I wanted to ruin your day. We're, we're trying to keep the community safe. That's why we're here. Absolutely. So while we're still kind of on the topic of, of the technology, can you guys maybe walk me through what is that user experience like for the officer that is going into the software? What do they see? What do they experience? And how does that how does that teach them to improve their, their verbal communication skills and what sort of what sort of feedback are they getting when they're in there so that they know when they're doing well and uh, when sure. they can improve? Okay, so the, the whole point is uh, we, we try to make it um, photorealistic, uh, but it's all synthetic. So we don't use cartoons when you know, people hear avatars a lot of the time, they think like South Park, little chatty heads. It's not like that at all. It's uh, more like your, your video game views with realistic simulations of people. And we start off with uh, a police captain who talks about, here's the situation, you know, you're dispatched to a house where 
a certain uh, scene is going on and uh, you, you've conducted a, a preliminary perimeter check and, and you go and you knock on the front door. And uh, let's walk through that now. And then next thing that you see is a guy opens the door and sees a couple of cops and goes, whoa, can I help you guys? What do you want? So what do you say to that guy? You know, um, and even in that example, we, we like to have people, the first thing that you get is a guy looking you straight in the eye and, and asking you a question that you got to respond to. So a lot of cops will go, hey, we're here for a perimeter check or a safety wellness check. We got a report that somebody may be injured in the residence. And so I think that's what they do. Well, the next step is we show a role model cop. And the role model cop starts with, good afternoon, sir. My name is Officer Smith. I'm from the Metropolitan Police Department. And I'm here today because uh, we got a, a wellness check because there's a belief that somebody may be injured in the residence. You know, is that the case? And so the jarring example is, whoa, the guy started by introducing himself and giving his name and where he was from. And a lot of times you don't think about those details. So then we have you practice that. Okay, the very first thing I got to do is say who I am, where I'm from, and why I'm there. And, and then the system allows you to record yourself. You can compare yourself to the role model officer. Again, that's an, that's an animated uh, figure. It's synthetic. And so you can say, okay, I see how he's saying it. You know, my delivery seems a little choppy. Uh, I was confused when I started. I hesitated. I'm a, yes, sir. My name is, oh, um, Officer Smith. If you can't remember your name, <laughs> the guy's going to think you got, you got a problem. You're hesitating in your delivery. Of course, you know your name, but you got to be able to deliver it smoothly and confidently so the guy can see that, okay, this, this guy knows what he's doing. He's very professional. He introduced himself and you move on. So once you get that done, then you move to the next step of the conversation where the guy goes, well, nope, everybody here's, here's fine. Have a nice day and goes to close the door. Well, wait a minute. You, you've got something that you got to do. What do you say to that guy? I'm sorry, sir. I really do need to check. Uh, we do have a report that somebody may be hurt or injured here. Uh, can I have your permission to walk through the residence? We'll make it real quick. I just want to look and make sure there's nobody hurt on the premises. So again, you're explaining what you're doing, what you're not doing. And the scenario will continue that way to the resolution. Then at the end, the uh, police captain will come up again and say, in this scenario, the following things happened. The officer was polite and professional, explained exactly what he was doing, told uh, the subject what he was going to do every step of the way, got his permission to go in and explain that a warrant wasn't necessary under the law in these circumstances or, or whatever the case may be. And then there's another piece where now it comes up and you have to demonstrate that in front of a training officer. So either in person, they can score you or uh, you can submit a video and, and they can score that video. And so when he's scoring, the first thing that comes up is that did the officer introduce himself? Did he state why he was there? Did he state what agency he was from? And so they got little check boxes that say he did A, he didn't do B, he did do C. And then the officer can go back and practice it. Make sure you state the agency. They don't know where you're from. You know, they don't know if you're a sheriff or an FBI agent or DEA or a local cop. They got no idea. So make sure you do that. So then there's a coaching session that goes on. The goal isn't to get 80% and print a certificate and go, there, I'm trained. I'm good. I don't have to do that again for a year. The goal is 100%. You want the cop doing it right every time. You want it to become automatic. So then the supervisor might tell them to go back, work on it some more. We're going to go over this and again, uh, again in a week. And, and make sure that uh, you've got this down. And then we're going to move on to a different scenario, a different case. So what, one thing on the, the typical simulators, if, if you've seen, seen anything about them or used them, typically it's, uh, 
it's a mystery thing, right? You've got a guy who comes in from the left and right. Do I shoot that guy? Oh, no, that's an innocent. I don't shoot that guy. And the guy comes in from right. Oh, he's got a gun. I got to shoot that guy. And it's all decision-making and snap reaction. And, and those are important skills. But for us, there's no mystery. When you walk through this scenario, here's the proper way to walk through this scenario. Here's the mechanics of it. Here's what you're supposed to say and when and why. And they're designed to be run again and again and again. More, more like, again, as Chad said, practicing hitting a curveball. You go to the batting cage and, and you just take a lot of swings until you can do it without thinking about it. And it's just automatic. And that's what we're trying to build. So it's a very different type of simulator. It's not, you don't know what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen, but you're training for that specific encounter so that when you're in the field, you can draw upon that training and adapt it to other similar situations go, oh, I know how to handle something just like this. And then the brain goes in and says, I, I got to introduce myself. I got to explain what I'm doing all along the way. These basic, simple requirements become just part of the cop's behavior and they end up doing their job in a better way that gets better results. And Adam, so, I, would point out, I would point out real quick too, is the fact that those check boxes that, that John is referring to is what we call key elements. And so the field training officer or the trainer is looking at making sure that you're touching on those key elements while you're communicating, whatever those key elements might be. You know, John's pointing out a very uh, basic scenario, but when you start looking into, you know, dealing with someone with mental health issues or like an Alzheimer's patient or different examples, you know, we just want to make sure that these key elements are getting uh, taught and they're communicating them correctly. Yeah, so that's a like a, a complete message, a complete response, right? If you right. leave something out, it's it's not complete. And then they also score on their tone and the delivery, right? Are 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 they coming across as professional? Are they coming across as confident? Are they not being authoritative or bossy if the situation doesn't call for it? Or are they being collaborative? Or do, do they have a demeanor that's likely to get the best results? So that's all part of the scoring. So is the software itself scoring that, or is there a facilitator within the agency that reviews these and scores it? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. And where technology is at right now um, with voice recognition and certainly sensing emotion and tone, it's, uh, it's just not quite there yet in terms of technology. And again, we don't want a machine response that says, hey, 86%, good enough, move on. We want the live coaching. We want a trainer to evaluate that and provide feedback. Hey, you know, it's uh, you, you gave a really good answer, but I noticed you weren't maintaining eye contact, right? You were looking at the ground and looking all around like you were disinterested and you didn't really care. Uh, so you need to do it again and make sure you maintain eye contact when you're giving your responses. AI just is not at the level where it can do that. Uh, we want this to be very human. We don't want it to be mechanical. Uh, so that's where the human coaching comes in to evaluate human performances for real life human situations. And that's somebody that's trained within my agency or that's somebody from from Thin Blue Online that is doing yeah, that scoring? Yeah, that would be within your agency. And the thing about the modules that's kind of cool is um, I could submit a, a series of videos for you to evaluate of me doing a module. And you could bring up the scoring platform and everything that I'm supposed to be saying is right there for you to score. You don't have to know what my answer should be because did I say these things? Did I introduce myself? Did I state my purpose? Did I state what agency I was from? 
That's very clear yes or no stuff. So even if you don't know what I was practicing or what I'm supposed to be doing, when you go to score me, those things come up. And it's a very objective way of determining, you know, are, are you meeting the requirements or not? So if you have a training officer and he's got 20 cops reporting to him and they're each doing five modules and each module has five different responses they got to work on, that's a whole lot of responses. And, and we've set it up so he can go through officer by officer, module by module, see what the trainee is supposed to be saying, score it, evaluate it. If he wants, he can see the uh, challenge that they responded to. He can look at the role model to do comparisons if something doesn't seem quite right. It, it's much more structured and detailed than a typical role play exercise where, you know, the evaluator would say, yeah, that was a pretty good answer. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Well, it's, it's not just a matter of if you think based on no criteria, it sounds reasonable. It's all very structured. It's based on psychology and best practices and, and the things that you're supposed to say to get the best results. It's, it's a very objective and easy to score system. So is the idea here that uh, the student, if you will, is kind of going into the platform on a routine basis, whether that's monthly, weekly, whatever, and spending time kind of refining and, and honing those skills over and over and over again, building that muscle memory? Or is this intended to be a singular curriculum that the officer just works their way through once and then is done with? No, it's uh, it's very much an ongoing thing. And again, since it's small, tiny little lessons, you can squeeze them in anywhere. Um, if you go back to hitting a curveball against a performance aspect that I like to look at, if you think about a professional baseball player, he practices before the season begins, before every game he practices. Heck, every time before he even comes up to the plate, he's taking test swings in the on-deck circle, you know, keeping everything fresh and current. Um, what we like to think with this is just set a few minutes aside a day to work through something, and it, it keeps you sharp. Oh, yeah, I forgot I'm supposed to be doing that. That's, that's good practice. It's not like a, a week-long course. It's just a few minutes here and there. I heard an example of uh, the sergeant working the night duty desk. And, uh, you know, what does he do? He sits there all night and he reads the magazines that are in the lobby that are six months old. He's read them all cover to cover. Instead of that, you know, he, he can have his tablet, his computer, his phone. He can, he can be working on training. These examples are actually kind of fun to work through. And it, it, it keeps you sharp and, and keeps you engaged. Um, another really good example for this is let's say uh, you have a cop that's getting a lot of complaints about the way he does traffic stops. You know, what, what's going on with Bob? You know, I, I get two complaints on Bob every month. Not, I don't get complaints for any other officers. You can have Bob go in front of a supervisor or evaluator or trainer and say, hey, Bob, walk this module. I want to see what you say to this guy in the traffic stop. And if Bob, you know, is not doing the things that he's supposed to say and he's coming off harsh and he's, he's not providing any of the recommended best practice answers, and then it's not just a training tool, it's a diagnostic tool. You know, Bob, you know, you're not doing the best practice stuff that we recommend. You're, you're, you're not consistent with the other officers in the department. Maybe that's where you're getting so many complaints. Why don't you try doing it this way? Work through the module, you know, handle yourself the way the module trains you to do it. And uh, I'll take a look. And, you know, we can see how you score from there. Yeah. So I imagine that uh, this is not just an idea that two guys sitting down for coffee came up with uh, and decided, hey, let's sell this to law enforcement. So I'm wondering if we can kind of wrap things up here a little bit. If both of you would take the time to share with us a little bit about yourselves, your background, 
uh, where this idea came from, how it brought you guys together, and just a bit of background on on what you guys are up to. Yeah, Adam, I can uh, touch on that. Uh, so, again, I, I'm Chad, and uh, I started uh, up in Metro Detroit with a sheriff's office, and I worked for about 15 years uh, in law enforcement. I started off in corrections. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was a supervisor in corrections, went off and worked uh, road patrol for a number of years and became a SWAT operator and a detective. And about the last five years of my career, I was a detective uh, in Pontiac, Michigan. It was a real high crime area and worked uh, many homicides. And I had always been uh, fascinated by technology and human behavior and you know, just how the brain functions under high stress professions. I got connected with Thimble Online and I just saw something that as an officer, I was like, you know, you know, back in the day when I went through the police academy, you know, we spent so much training on pursuits and, you know, in the firing range. And as I mentioned, you know, it's it's so important. This that that's training that we have to have and we have to spend a lot of time in that type of training. But yet, at the other hand, I just thought that, you know, throughout my career, there were things that were missing in regards to building upon communication skills and de-escalation and just looking at different ways that we could apply that. And I can remember going through, you know, we, we used to use the old FATS system in front of the big movie screen. You know, there was a little bit of the de-escalation brought into that, but but not much. And I was just like, this could this could be a really great tool, you know, and I'm I'm very passionate about the law enforcement community, especially right now in the in the culture that we're living in. I just feel like the men and women, you know, working the streets out there right now, they just they need all the help that they can get and all the training that they can get. You know, it's 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 the most difficult job I've ever had, but it's the most rewarding. You know, I got connected with Thimbu online and again I just I think we have something that uh that nobody else has out there uh, in the market in, in terms of, you know, we, we talk, talked about, you know, virtual reality training and we talked about, you know, the big movie screens and, you know, it, and, and a lot of that training, it is very, very expensive, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to offer something that is very affordable and it's all about practice. It, it's very, very simplistic. Just the last conversation that we were having in, in terms of, what officers do in, in certain situations. Like, for example, I was thinking, you know, like when you, when you make a traffic stop and you go up to the car and you ask for the license, registration, proof of insurance, and the driver says, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. Well, that's something that you can practice, right? Like, what are you going to say in that type of situation, right? And how can you practice your communication skills and how can you de-escalate that situation before it starts to escalate and turn into something, you know, that, that could go really, really bad. And so that's, that's where my passion lies. And I, I just really appreciate the, uh, the time that you've given us today, Adam, to, uh, to talk about Thimble online and, uh, I'll, I'll give it to John now. Thanks, Chad. And, uh, thank, thank you, Adam, for uh, inviting us here. This has been great. My background is, uh, I've been using computer technology since, uh, heck before, tablets and mobile phones and even before personal computers. I, I got started with computers when they were the size of refrigerators and uh, disk drives <laughs> were the size of washing machines. So I'll tell you how long I've been nice. doing this. And uh, 
Well, one of the, the first things that uh, I did was working on ways to figure out how to use the computer and learning applications. My career has gone a long way, uh, but one of the, in a lot of different areas from managing railroads to uh, international supply chain component delivery, uh, a lot of time spent in animation and, and computer graphics, and it all kind of led to where I am now with this. Uh, even come full circle back to uh, the learning and training and using computers as a tool. And I've always been intrigued by, you know, people need things. They need help in their lives. And, and you think about how much technology is uh, involved in our lives now versus what it was 30 or 40 years ago. You know, I, I, I started driving a car that had a carburetor, you know, and uh, no computer on board. And, and now technology is everywhere. Um, and, and I think the computer is a, just an amazing tool for making knowledge available. It's uh, infinitely patient. It's always available. If you, if you want to practice something 20 times at three o'clock in the morning in your pajamas, it's, it's not going to judge you. If you got something bugging you, uh, it, it'll be right there for you to help you work through things. I mean, if, if you are doing a human role play, and you do something about the third time the person you're role-playing with is going to go, enough of this, I'm sick of this, let's move on to something else. Computers are much more patient than people. They make really great learning partners uh, because they're non-judgmental and, and they go at your pace. And it, it's just an amazing platform. So I've always been about finding ways to use technology to improve the human condition. So I, I started doing this uh, verbal proficiency stuff coming up on 15 years ago now um, and doing it in... Uh, the private sector and, and businesses and, and other applications. And, and we're looking at uh, ways to say, man, it, it, who really needs to be really good verbally where saying the right thing in the right way at the right time can just have a huge impact. And law enforcement just came right up, you know, especially where we are now. And it's a, just a matter of having that training available and uh, allowing cops to, to do their job better. You know, we, we've got a phrase that uh, really talks about what we're all about doing. And that is, you know, we are committed to saving lives on both sides of the badge. We're not trying to save cop lives. We're not trying to save community lives. We're trying to save both. And uh, that comes about through communication and understanding and connecting. And uh, it, it's, um, that's really our purpose. And man, when you think about it in that context, um, this is software to help people communicate to resolve situations and save lives. Uh, I don't know how you can come up with anything that's uh, more rewarding or more fulfilling than that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be doing what I'm doing and looking forward to helping out as many cops and as many communities as I can. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that background, guys. I mean, we've talked quite a bit here today on on just how important verbal communication and, and de-escalation are and it really doesn't matter whether you're using these skills out on on the road or uh, in your jail uh, heck even in in the office around the water cooler uh, you know it this is what helps build and form the reputation of your agency and builds and forms that relationship with your community and so it's really important and and obviously we stand to risk increased complaints injuries to our staff and and other sub subjects or suspects that we encounter uh, there, there's a lot to, to risk here by not utilizing this type of training and so would you guys just kind of sign us out here by telling those that are listening that are interested in learning more uh, or maybe getting their agency started 
uh, with this type of training? How can they find you guys? How do they connect? What do you want them to do to get started working with you guys? The first thing I would say is to visit our website at thinblueonline.com. You can request a demo. I love giving demos. I love uh, walking people through the process. And we we have social uh, media channels through uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. All right. Well, and I'll put links to all of those in the uh, show notes down below for anybody that wants to check them out. And um, please do get in touch with these guys. They have an awesome, awesome product uh, that they're offering. And I think it's certainly going to benefit a lot of people. So, uh, Chad and John. I really appreciate you guys being on the show. This is an awesome conversation. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people are going to love it. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to my website at publicsafetyinnovatorspodcast.com or simply psi.chat, where you can check out episode notes and other episodes from the show. While you're there, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere else that you prefer to listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate if you could help other people find the show by leaving a review wherever it is that you prefer to listen to the show. I'd love to hear from you if you have feedback about the show, a suggestion on a guest, or maybe you're a public safety innovator yourself and would like to be a guest on the show. Please head over to my contact page on the website and you can submit that information there or just email me at adam at psi.chat. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.